The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give shalom. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labours. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people of the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. In the seventh month, on the twenty-first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in 
and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Hello. So today is an exciting day. Today is 10 years since Emmanuel went multi-site. Just got to make a, a little mess in the studio. <laughs> There's lots more confetti than I thought it was going to be. That's amazing. That's awesome. Just got to... Yes, welcome to Emmanuel, in case you're new to us. We don't have confetti cannons every week. This is just my excuse for one. Because this is 10 years since as a church, we went from being one location to be spread out across the city. Uh, as a church, we've existed for 40 years, in fact. And uh, we've been through lots of iterations of times and places and who's led it and all kinds of stuff, including changing our name a couple of times too. Uh, but this last 10 years has been a hectic 10 years of doing all kinds of stuff as we've multiplied across the city. In fact, in 2000, and 11. We were just in this building at the Clarence Centre in the middle of Brighton. We had multiple services that were getting full. We thought, you know what? We think a prompting by God, prophetic prompting, to spread out across the city. And so 10 years ago today, we sent Matt and Ali Davis and a team off into the western city, out to Shoreham to start a site there. They're still there today. In fact, they're back meeting today on Sunday, the first time in 18 months. Really pleased for those guys. They went first. And then a term later, myself, my lovely wife, Emma, and a whole motley crew of uh, men and women went off to the Brighton Race Schools uh, to start another site that eventually moved down to Brighton Marina and led by Kenny and Nicola McCush. And then a few years later, we sent Rich and Natalia Crosby into Hove, uh, back to our building at the Claren Villas after a massive renovation of that building. And then last but not least, uh, we adopted Oasis Fellowship up in Hangleton, going from one site to five sites uh, in those 10 years. Back to four now, as the Marina guys have come back to join us for new, at New England, at least for a season. Who knows where we'll end up in the future. Back to five, six, seven. Who knows what God has got for us. And you know what? It's been a pretty easy breezy 10 years, said no one who's been involved. It's been seriously hard work but an awful lot of fun as we've gone on adventures with God. And so we want to celebrate that today and the next couple of Sundays as well. Looking back at what God has done, looking at where we're at now and also looking at where is God going to take us next. But this sermon isn't really about us. It's not about Emmanuel here in Brighton. It's about the Emmanuel the uh, person who the church is named after, Jesus Christ himself. We see in Matthew, he's given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He didn't just stay off in heaven. No, he came down because he loves us to save us, to rescue us and to take us back to be with him in the new heavens and the new earth. It's about him. That's what this sermon is actually about. The fact that he has always been God with us, with people right down through the histories, the people that he made, the people he loved, the people he came to save, and that he's with us as well. My prayer for you today is that you leave, or you kind of go into your week, knowing that God is with you, and God is with his church, and that he has always been, he is faithful, that he loves to speak to us, and he wants to empower us as we go into this next season. This is relevant to you if you're part of Emmanuel, as we look back over our history. Relevant to you if you're new to Emmanuel, to know what, what kind of church you're coming into. It's also relevant to whoever you are, because actually it's not about us, it's all about God. 
But to help us to get to grips with this, uh, we are going to be dipping into the book of Haggai. It's just a short book, just two chapters. Let me encourage you to go away and read it at some point by yourself this week. Just take you a few minutes to do so. But we're going to be dipping into that. This, this week, we're just going to start with just four verses in chapter one. But let me give you a bit of context about it first. So it's a short chapter. It's a, about a prophet called Haggai uh, in the Old Testament. And it's, it's uh, written at a very particular time in the history of Israel. Israel is God's chosen people. God chose them to be his and for him to be their God, the one true living God with his people, Israel. And uh, they were meant to be very distinctive in the way they were to live and interact and relate to him. Uh, but the story of Israel, if you read the Old Testament, you'll find very quickly is of them getting it wrong a lot. And not just a bit of error, but really sin sick in reality and uh, causing all kinds of offence against God, not being faithful as they should have been and turning to fake gods, to idols many times. And God said, if you continue to do this, you're going to move outside of my blessing. In fact, you're going to move into a place of discipline. God warns them time and time and time again. Eventually, God follows through on his discipline. He sends the Babylonians to come down to kind of wreak havoc on the nation of Israel to destroy the holy city of Jerusalem and destroy the temple and carry the people back off into exile, into captivity, up into Babylon. We're picking up this story, though, 70 years later. That happened in 587 BC. This is happening 70 years later, though, is when they've been released from captivity. They've been released to go back to Jerusalem to begin the work of rebuilding the city, rebuilding their temple. It's a big work. And into this mist, God has sent his messenger. He's not stayed silent all the time. He's loved them still. He's still looking for a time in which he's going to restore them. His discipline doesn't last forever. He's going to come to love and restore. And in that, he sent his messenger to come and kindly speak to them give them some direction and give them some encouragement. The first thing he does, though, before he gives the encouragement, he brings just a, a warning to them. He says, you what? The way you've started to build is not good. Now, we're going to cover this actually more next week. But it's sufficient to say, God says, look, you've got to get your priorities right, even as you start off. It's not about sorting yourself out. It's about coming to seek the Lord. We see it elsewhere in the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what we're meant to do. And these guys, well, they were busy building their own houses. Very understandable in some senses. But when you look at what they were given to do in terms of worshipping God and building his temple, that was far more important. But like I said, we'll pick that up again next week. So he starts with a bit of a, a rebuke. But then he goes on to encourage them in the midst of it. He reminds them of these very, very precious words. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. That was his message to them. And uh, it wasn't like that was message just was in isolation. That message to them was something that had echoed down through their history. Really by saying that, he's saying to them, look back, God has always been with you. In one sense, it's, I am still with you, says the Lord. It's almost like, I am always going to be with you, declares the Lord. He's saying, look back. We've just come out of 22 weeks of looking at the life of Abraham and Sarah where God took a man, blessed him so that he could be a blessing. Took a guy and a, and a woman and gave them a children uh, so they might have many descendants, they might be a blessing to the whole word, world and make promises to them. Well, Israel is in that blessing. They're blessed to be a blessing. They've got promises over them. It's to remind them that God said to Moses that, he, that, that God was going to be with him and with the nation of Israel when they were in slavery in Egypt that time, not Babylon this time, but in Egypt. And God said, I am with you and I'm going to rescue you and bring you out through the waters of the Red Sea and I'm going to give you a, a nation and a country, a land of your own. 
The same God who said that to them is the same God that's speaking to them now. God says, I am with you. I was with you when I built the temple the first time with Solomon and David. Now we're going to rebuild that temple together. I am with you. It's such an encouragement to them to take them back again. The God that was with your forefathers is with you again in the situation you're in. That just isn't just an encouragement to them. It's also an encouragement for us as well. We've had our kind of mini exile, haven't we, for 18 months as our churches, not been able to meet together in the way that we've been able to before. We too need to remind ourselves of who God is and how he's interacting with us. Not just from the Bible, not just from those down through church history, but also from our own personal church history. God has been with us. God been with us over the 40 years. He's been with us these last 10 years as we've been going multi-site. And we want to take some time just to celebrate what he's done and remind ourselves of what he's done as well. Celebrating is good just for the sake of it. Celebrating God for his goodness and his grace. You know what? He's so worthy of it. And it's worthy. It's worship. But it's also good for us. It's good to remind ourselves of what God has done. It encourages us, puts courage in us to go again. We're not revising these things just because it's good to revise it and so we can pass an exam. No, it's more like reminding ourselves of our family history. Me and my family, we have uh, lots of photo books. We still want to print out photos so our kids can just pick it off the shelf in our bookshelf in our lounge and flip through and remind themselves of where they've come from and some of the good times that we've had together. In more recent years, we often just scroll through our phones now and find videos of uh, birthday parties or dance parties as we have in our house or uh, funny things that have happened uh, down through history or various pregnancy announcements we've done or gender reveals, all kinds of those kinds of things. And, uh, and uh, my kids uh, often say, oh, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time? I think to them, yeah, I do, but you were two. Or you weren't even born in this video. But they, we've watched them so many times and looked at the photo, it's become part of their history part of their family identity. So today, as we rehearse these things from the Bible, but also from our own history, you can take a ball and say, you know what, if you're part of Emmanuel, this is part of your history. This is part of your legacy. This is part of God saying, I have been with you and I'm still with you. So the time we have today together, we're just going to remind ourselves of some of the things that God has done and what that says about God. So three things. God is faithful. God speaks to us and God empowers us. Let's look at that first one together though. God is faithful. God is faithful to small groups of imperfect people. The people that Haggai is speaking to were just a remnant. Do you know that word? It basically means the leftovers. They're the leftovers from the the, uh, nation that had been exiled 70 years before. And it's basically just those who could be bothered to make the journey back to Israel and go back into rebuilding the land, rebuilding the temple. They were surrounded by much bigger people groups. But you know what? God loves an underdog, loves an underdog story. He isn't just invested in people when things are riding high. He doesn't need the things that often oppress us of scale and might. He loves starting with the small, the broken, the humble, the insignificant. He's happy to work away in a corner with a person who's just got a bit of faith to lean on him. That's what we see time and time again through the Bible. This isn't the first small group of people, not the first remnant that God's worked with. It's not the last one either. Even Jesus' own birth story being born to a teenage mother, poor teenage mother in the back end of nowhere. That's how Jesus came into the world. How does Jesus start his amazing global movement, the church? He starts it with 12 blokes who've barely got it together. You read the stories of them in the Gospels, you're like, really Jesus, these guys? But God loves taking the unlikely and doing amazing things. We see that in the church. We see it down through church history. We see it in our church history as well. Emmanuel started by a guy called Terry just wanted to faithfully obey God. 
take God seriously at his word. Started a little church in his home. They moved into a school hall with its deck chairs. I wasn't there, but I know that that that, that school hall had people bringing their own deck chairs. And that's just part of our history. It's part of our story. Then, that, then they were given a building for very, very little over in Hove and then worked through a whole series of things that God had provided and led with to the point where 10 years ago, we know God speaking to us, say, you know what? I'm going to take your one church, one site, and I'm going to multiply you into five across the city. And then I'm going to multiply you into other cities around Europe and then into North America. I'm going to give you things to steward. I'd love to talk to you about New Day, this amazing event that we, hear, we now look after. If you go along to, it seems like it's so well put together. You know what? It's not. It's just string and sellotape, holding that thing together. And uh, you know what? God's been so graciously giving it to us. God put into our hearts to love and care for the poor. Down through the years, we've done amazing exploits. We're looking after the poor, looking after the, the most needy in our city, taking people out of addiction, allowing them, uh, helping them to get into housing find food, find mentoring, find employment, find dignity, knowing, love and care. Just taking the small efforts of people like me and you and blowing upon it and doing something wonderful. God is faithful to small groups of imperfect people. He's also faithful in every season. Even in this last season where it's been difficult to be the people of God, to be the church without our usual rhythms that have been just stripped away, God has been faithful to us. He's been faithful to you, he's been faithful to me. He's helped us with our online provision, our digital services. We didn't used to have a digital team. We now have a digital team. We didn't have that much equipment. We've now got tons of equipment. We didn't just conjure it up out of nowhere. Do you know what? A couple came to me, said, Stephen, I've got, some, I've got tens of thousands of pounds. What do I do with it? I said, you know what? I've got a digital team who need tens of thousands of pounds. So we continue to do our service and reach our people. Hey, let's put those two things together. God provided so we could have cameras and so we continue to do services throughout this season and lockdowns and what have you. God has given us men and women who've upskilled and learnt lessons so they're able to continue to uh, engage with the word of God, engage with one another. We're so grateful. God has continued to change lives. It's been a difficult season. It's been difficult for our, uh, our walk with God in such difficult circumstances. But you know what? God has continued to work in people's lives. It's been wonderful hearing stories of just in the place of adversity, God stirring and changing, shaping and growing people. As I begin to see people come back on a Sunday, you know what? They're just a little bit taller in God. Because God does something in the tough moments in our lives. Help people to connect, continue to lead small groups, that kind of thing. What about seeing people saved? Making disciples, that's truly something key we're meant to do. We've not been able to do that, have we? No, no, God's remained faithful even there. We love the uh, God-anointed tool Alpha. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's a course for people checking out Christianity. Uh, it's done all around the nation, around, all around the world in reality. And it involves kind of getting in a room, hearing a talk, having a meal together in discussion groups. Surely we have to do that. That has, that has to go on the back burner during lockdown. No, that moved online as well. But why? Well, surely it feels like two arms, two arms tied behind your back to have to pull that off online. What we found upon is that God's just blown upon it. That actually we've had more people on Alpha. We've got more Alpha courses as a result. More people have come and found out the truth of who Jesus is in Alpha or through Alpha during this season. God is faithful in every season. We baptized six people uh, a month ago. We've got another five. We'll be baptizing next week because God has been saving and adding people to his church. Surely we'll be shrinking back. We're just a remnant. No, no. God is faithful in every season. We continue to be able to introduce people to Jesus even in these circumstances. God has been faithful in provision. The whole world's been turned upside down. Every way, all the ways that we work, make money, that's been all, all, all crazy, hasn't it? People are on furlough, people being made redundant, businesses being closed for months and months on end. 
Surely that's going to have an impact on our church finances. And we plan accordingly. Surely we're going to feel a, a, an impact of that. People will not be able to give as much. You know what? Our giving is down by 0.4%. We were planning for maybe 10% down, 8% down. Was that what, is that what it's going to be? Is that too conservative? Who knows? 0.4%. That's all. We basically be able just to trim a few bits, pieces here and there and be able to continue on with all that we've got in our hearts to do for God. Because people have to continue to faithfully give. Why? Because they have a faithful God. It's been wonderful that this Sunday, all four of our sites are now back open and doing services. That's because God has been faithful to us. Are there gaps? Oh, yes, there are gaps. Is it perfect? No, it is not perfect. It can be so easy to look to those bits. Instead, let's look and celebrate what God has done, what he has provided. He's been so faithful every step of the way. Let's keep celebrating that together. And let's use it as a springboard for expectation for more and for a place of prayer. So he's a faithful God. He's also a speaking God. God in his kindness and in his faithfulness sent Haggai to speak to his people, not leaving them in silence, but with his message for them to encourage them and give them direction. God continues to speak faithfully and gives us direction through his word. It was written down for us to enjoy, to hear God, take up and read. We've mentioned this so much over the last few weeks. I wonder if there's a thing that's coming through there for us, that we're meant to be people of the word. We want to stand upon this. We want to open up. We want to hear God's voice. We want to get direction. He's so clear. You're looking for direction of your life? This will tell you. He says, build a temple. We're meant to build a temple like Haggai did. Now, we've got a different temple. We've got a better temple. They had one built of, of uh, stones and bricks and, uh, and all kinds of other physical materials. Ours is made of people. We have church buildings, but the buildings are not the church. The church are the people, the people of God, living bricks built together. And God says, go and build it. God says, go and make disciples. See people added to this building. Go and love your neighbours. Introduce them to the Lord Jesus I haven't got stats going back 10 years, but going back to 2014, just for this particular site in New England, you know what? We've baptised 271 people. We didn't do that. God did that. God brought people to us as we followed his direction. We've seen 559 members added to the church since January 2014, just at this particular site. Now, we have a massive turnover, people going in and out of the city all the time. We're so grateful that as we follow God's direction, God brings the fruit. God tells us to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. God tells us to remember the poor. God calls us to trust us with his finances. All these things, as we've done it, as we follow his direction, he's blessed us and we've seen wonderful things. We love the way that God speaks through his word because God also speaks to us through the prophetic. I've been doing a lot of reading of uh, the Apostle Paul in, in the book of 1 Corinthians where he tells them to you know, be strong in love, seek the spiritual gifts, particularly the gift of the prophetic. And this is just about hearing God and speaking the words of God to one another. That's something for all of us to do. That's not some special class of Christian. That's for every Christian. We all have the Holy Spirit within us and the ability to hear God. It's always going to line up with the word of God if it's from God. But it's just a now word that God brings. And I've had lots of moments. Even last night, someone kind of spoke to me. said, God, I feel like God's saying this to you. You know what? It's made me stand a bit taller today. It's put courage in me. It's edified me. Now we need to do that for one another. And it's wonderful when God does it. And that's what Haggai was doing. He's speaking into their situation. Saying, hey, stop building your own houses. Build a temple. And remember, God is with you. You know what God is saying to you today? God is with you today. And he's got some words for you. God's spoken some wonderful words to us over the years. One particular one going back 10 years is the one about five smooth stones. Have you heard this? 
Irene Brooks, who used to be a member of our church here at Emmanuel. She felt that God was speaking to uh, us from the book, uh, from the story of David and Goliath. Uh, hopefully you know the story where David picks up a stone, puts it in his sling, he swirls it around, slings it at Goliath's head and Goliath falls down dead and the, the, uh, the Israelites go and win a wonderful victory over the Philistines. But David didn't just pick up one stone, he picked up five. And I just felt from that story of David and Goliath, there was an encouragement for us as a church, not just to be one, but to be five, to be five churches across Europe. And there was a start of our kind of church planting endeavours, our fresh church planting endeavours. And uh, wonderfully, 10 years later, we're eight churches, seven across Europe and one in North America. And uh, you know what that prophetic word did? It stirred us into action. It gave us a direction in which to run him. I don't know if you know who Steve Boone is. He's one of our elders here. And uh, he set to task using the spiritual gift that he had of leadership and of faith, of organising and getting us in place where we could go and do that. And do that by starting at home. If we're not going to be five out there, well, maybe we should start by being five in the city of Brighton Hove. That's what stirred us to do sites. You know what? That, that strategy worked brilliantly. We sent uh, Matt and Joe Simmons to go and lead a service in Shoreham. They learned some stuff. And what did they then do? They went and planted a church in Amsterdam. Noah Jones led the site here. And then went and led the church in Berlin, now in Ottawa. Richard Natalia Crosby went and started the site in Hove. And then went and started a new church in Ottawa. Kenny Nicola McCush took over the marina site, led it for a season. And then God then kind of shot them out into Belfast. God's been using the prophetic word that he gave to us, the strategies around that to do the thing that he wanted to accomplish through our church. It's wonderful when you look back and think, God, you spoke, you empowered us, you helped us to do the thing you've called us to do. God is still speaking. There's many other words. I'd love to talk to you about Oasis joining us. There's a wonderful prophetic journey there, but I'm not going to. I haven't got time. If you want to know about it, speak to Steve Wolford. It's an amazing story about how he got accosted in Costa, in Hove. Tell, find out about that. God's still speaking to us. God's speaking to us about this uh, season where everything's been stirred up. And what's going on, God? What are you doing with the world? What are you doing with us as a church? And God's spoken to us about digging up our foundations. Not because they were wrong, because he wants to uh, lay bigger foundations for us. That's something more significant for our future. We don't know what that is yet, but as leaders, we're looking at that, we're weighing that, we're praying that. When we know more, we'll tell you. But why don't you pray as well? Join us as we pray. Say, God, keep speaking to us. Thank you, you're a speaking God. Maybe it's for you asking God to speak to you for yourself. Say, God, will you come and speak to me? Maybe even ask others to pray with you. Let's prophesy over one another. Each of us can do that. Eagerly reading our Bibles that God might speak to us through that, but also through the prophetic. Maybe you've got something you think is for us as a church for the next 10 years. You know what? Message us. We'd love to hear from you. He is a faithful God. He is a speaking God. He's also an empowering God. He's inspiring and empowering. Here in Haggai, the people hear the words, I am with you. And then the leaders, and then this remnant, this motley crew, they're stirred up and they're empowered to go and do what they were made to do. Made to go and worship God and build a temple to worship him. When God stirs his people, when they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they do great exploits for God. They are courageous. They are sacrificial. They are generous. They are loving. They are strong. They are kind. They are bold. And they do great things for God. That's what happens. We see it's not just played out in the book of Haggai. We say it played out pretty most famously at the day of Pentecost. When the disciples are left, Jesus has gone back up to heaven. He said he's going to send, send a helper and they're waiting and they're waiting. And then God comes upon them. Comes in mighty fire with a blowing wind. He fills them with his power, fills them with confidence. And they go out and preach the good news of what Jesus has done. 
First day of the church, 3,000 people get added. God takes a timid group of people that does something awesome in them, helping them to build a greater temple. Not a temple built of stones, but a temple built of people. A temple built for God's glory, building people into the body of Christ. And God has given them all that they needed for the task. He's given us everything we need for our task as well. Everything we need for life and godliness. He's empowered men and women over the last 10 years, over the last 40 years, right down through the centuries to do the work he's got for us to do. When God says he is with us, it is not a nice sentiment. It is a powerful reality. He is with you, he is with me, and he is going to build his church. And he wants to involve us. This is great news. Because by ourselves, we are not impressive. Let me underline this to you. Emmanuel, we've been involved with some amazing things over the last 10 years, but it's not because we are impressive. It's not because we've got it all together. In fact, the opposite is true. We are weak. We are fumbling. He's given us direction and we've got it wrong. We've executed it wrong at points. All kinds of missteps and weakness and had to sin against one another, need forgiveness, we need help, we need grace, we need God to repeat things to us. We are not impressive. The people in Haggai were not impressive. The disciples were not impressive. But our God is He is so impressive. He is great, he is mighty, and he's gracious and loves to work with with unimpressive people. Um, I'm not much of a footballer, and uh, if you turned up to play five-a-side with me, you quickly find out I'm not a very good footballer and I've got a bit of a dodgy leg. And if my team is made up of people like me, you'd think you had a pretty good chance of winning against me. But if I turned up and good old Ronaldo was on my team, well, do you know what? I think I'd be pretty confident. I suddenly puff out my chest and think, you know what? I think we're going to take you. In fact, we're going to take most teams on the planet because I've got Ronaldo on my team. Because Ronaldo is with me, I can be stirred. I can be inspired. I can be confident that we can win. Do you know what? God is with you. And with him, we can be stirred. We can inspire. We can know. We can build. We can win. You are a living stone that God wants to take and use for his glory. I just felt today some people... You're waiting on the sidelines. Some bricks right now, where are they? They're on a pallet in a builder's yard. Just waiting, waiting, waiting. Don't wait any longer. God wants to take you. He wants to build you back into his temple, back into the the church. Come and come back. Some of you, you feel like a brick that's being chucked away in a skip. Maybe church has hurt you. Church is imperfect. It is. We hurt each other. It's It's not easy at times. It's tough. But God wants to take you. He wants to heal you, clean you up, put you back into the temple. What does that look like? That means meeting together on a Sunday, getting back into small groups, start doing life together. We spent a long time apart. Let me tell you, September, this is a great moment to get back into church. Come along to our services. All our locations are open now. If you're in Brighton, Home Shoreham, come along on a Sunday. We'd love to see you. Or if you're not in Brighton, you're somewhere else in the nation or the world, find a church where you can go and connect with other living stones. We're meant to be built together. We're not meant to sit on a a pallet in a builder's yard. We're not going to sit in a skip. We're meant to build together. We also need to be those who are filled with the Spirit. We are weak by ourselves. Our efforts are are not going to be enough if it's just based upon us. We need God's Spirit to fill us. Not just once. Keep being filled each and every day. Let me finish by saying this. Let's joyously remember what God has done. His faithfulness in our own lives, in our church. Let's remember that he has been with us, that he is with us, he's promised to always be with us. Let's thank him for speaking to us and ask him to keep speaking to us. And let's today ask him to fill us up with the Holy Spirit that we may be filled to do his will, to build his temple, the church.